Welcome to episode 119 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I will be joined by Paul Herman, and we will have episode 119 of our show, which will continue our series of putting Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes in the endgame. But before we get to that, I do have some folks to thank. Thank you very much to Alex Klein, Keith Merrill, Tobias Van Cleek, and Keith Barber. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, giving them access to exclusive content from this podcast that is not available anywhere else. That includes Patreon credit scenes, where we do supplemental content on top of most of our main episodes, including this one. It's just an extra conversation, sometimes an extension of what we talked about on the show. Sometimes it's an entirely different topic. So for this one, I'm actually going to be talking a lot about the Marvel Studios content that's going to be coming to Disney Plus based on what we learned via the Investor Day presentation last week, as well as some things that we can take from what we've heard about the Mandalorian coming to Disney Plus over the weekend at Star Wars Celebration. So we have those available for just a dollar a month. That also includes early access to the show. You hear it 24 hours before the rest of the internet. And of course, we have all kinds of other exclusives, daily news shows, weekly Q&A shows, multiple weekly Q&A shows. We've also got the Marvel Unlimited Book Club, where we're talking about comic books every month, a bonus episode every single month. And you can find out more information on all the different tiers we have, all the different exclusives we have at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And the other cool thing about getting the exclusives is you also get your own private RSS feed that you can plug into a podcatcher so that that way you get all of your Marvel Studios News content, the main podcast, and the Patreon exclusives all in one feed. And in addition to all of the exclusive content, we also have a Discord community available for our Marvel Studios News patrons. It's a great place to have endless conversations about all the latest news and all of these movies that we love so much from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And of course, all of this excitement with the Disney Plus news that's coming out right now. So for more information on all of that, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And with that done, let's go ahead and get on with our show. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. I am joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am well. Good Good to hear that you're well. It's always good to be well. So yes. we are continuing in this episode our In the End Game series. So in our previous episode, we discussed Guardians of the Galaxy and Nebula. For this episode, we are going to cover Captain Marvel, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. So these are characters who haven't had very long arcs in the MCU, especially because the Wasp... Well, we saw we saw plenty of Hope Van Dyne because she was prominently featured in the two Ant-Man movies, uh, but she just became a full-blown superhero in Ant-Man and the Wasp and then was dusted in the mid credit scene. Captain Marvel, we probably won't spend a ton of time talking about her arc in the MCU uh, at least in terms of the one film she was in, because we just did our spoiler review for Captain Marvel. So feel free to look at that as supplemental material for this episode. So what we're going to focus on more for Captain Marvel, and we might as well just go ahead and start with her, Paul, since I'm already talking about her, is uh, <laughs> let's talk about where she's at coming into this story. Because what's interesting is via the mid credit scene, it at least confirms that Captain Marvel is coming into this story fairly early 
because uh, you know for any thought that maybe she was going to come in at the last minute and save the day that's not going to happen because the sequence that we watch in that mid credit scene it appears to be happening very close to the end of Avengers Infinity War and there's Carol Danvers showing up at Avengers Compound so she's jumping into this story pretty quickly uh, and she's going to be along for the ride this whole way we don't know exactly what her mission is going to be uh what she's going to be, what tasks she's going to be charged with but she's going to be present in this story and i think what's going to be interesting for captain marvel is obviously what her job is going to be in all of this certainly she's going to be the the heaviest hitter that they have in terms of power level but also how much information we get in terms of what she's been up to since she left earth in 1995 is she has she ever been back since then are we going to get any more backstory on Captain Marvel for the in-between 95 to 2018, 2019, whenever in, uh, Avengers Endgame is taking place? Sounds like 2018, but um, yeah, it's going to be, or of course, we expect Endgame to potentially take place over a long stretch of time. But uh, I do wonder if we're going to get any any more information on, on what she's been up to. We know what her original task was of, of finding a new home for the Skrulls, but it's been over 20 years so I don't know if that uh, if that one job has taken her these twenty years. Yeah, there's. You, you got to think that maybe that she's just going to tease it, and maybe the the other Captain Marvel films will be her maybe trying to probably filling in the gaps. And, and I, yeah, and that's nothing, and that's not a bad idea to be honest. Because it's fine. Spend more she, time on the movie we're watching, not the one that we're not seeing. Right, right, exactly. And then we can then, you know, they'll have the, her previous films will have her have mostly flashbacks or be back in the day like we got. And then the the present day will be her at, in the, you know, leading the Avengers and the next Avengers films or whatever. So that would be that would be interesting. I, I don't for me, we're the, I, she's going to tease it. And I think that's yeah. going to be cool is that she's and this is where I think you could really drop in some awesome Easter eggs like. She could drop a silver surfer. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like they could maybe do some in post, like throw in like, you know, we're off screen, her talking and she says, you know, and I, and I also ran into some guy up some weird guy on a silver surfboard or something like that. I mean, you could do, I mean, and something like that, not necessarily with the Fox stuff, but like something in the Marvel universe, um, you know, I can't think of something off the top of my head that's not fox related that they could do but but something like that yeah. like you could you could tease something where people go oh that's what that's what she could be doing so i think that's what they're going to do and i think it's not really going to be important necessarily for us to know uh where where she was this whole time just know that she was doing good things and then and because i bet you anything too they're going to ask her where were you yep if fury had you the whole time and i think they're going to have an answer and she, her answer is going to be, well, I've been doing this, and I ran into the – again, I would love her to say, I ran into a guy on a silver surfboard, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, oh, God, that would be so amazing. I mean, so, that would have had to have been something that they would have just reshot in the last week and a half. So I don't think – Never uh, know. Never know. Uh, it's uh, These I, things are possible. We've seen uh, – they're hypothetically possible. They are difficult, and they are not likely, but they are possible. I mean, the shawarma scene was added just a couple weeks before – Avengers hit theaters, so last-minute ad- additions could happen, but my guess is if there are any last-minute additions that refer to Fox stuff, that they would be mid- or post-credit scenes, that they wouldn't be in the main story of the film. But um, I do think it will be a simple explanation. I was busy. We know that this is a big, big universe that has a lot of different people, not necessarily human beings, but a lot of different people, a lot of different species of people 
who need to be protected. And so it, it's not, uh, and it, of course, in terms of Earth, that, you know, Carol can say, well, Nick was able to contact me whenever he needed, so he must have felt like you guys could cover this, uh, but you didn't. So what happened? <laughs> so, like, it could be kind of one of those things of like, well, Nick would, Nick would have let me know. Uh, when you needed help, and when he let me know, unfortunately, this time it was too late. But I was off busy uh, avenging elsewhere. I think that it's it's probably going to be a simple enough explanation like that. But if we get a couple Easter eggs that are referred to, uh, that would be fun. Because even if that's her answer when she's originally asked about it, it doesn't mean that that's the only moment that would refer to her past. I mean, we could see other moments where. She's talking to people and they're sharing different experiences and she could say, yeah, there was this one time that I whatever. And it could and I'm not saying it needs to be related to a Fox thing, but it could be some other Easter egg to something else that, that Marvel has had access to this entire time. But I do think when we look at uh, Captain Marvel, it's going to be uh, what I do wonder is if maybe we'll find out or hear any teases of has she known about Thanos? You know, has she known about Thanos or and or the children of Thanos, the Outriders, the, the Chitari. She's been out in space, and mm-hmm. Thanos is a fairly well-known name out in space. So how much did she know about this individual? Now, space is obviously very, very large, so I'm not saying that she absolutely has to have heard of Thanos, and if she hasn't, it's a massive plot hole in the MCU. Uh, I don't think that would be the case, but I do wonder if we will find out. Uh, if she's heard of Thanos, if she's ever gone up against him before, uh, and then try to figure out what exactly, what she'll do in this film. She is extremely powerful. So obviously, if you want somebody to battle Thanos one-on-one, I mean, she's going to be your pick to take him out. So I wonder if that's going to be her role here, or if maybe there's going to be something else that that is not so much a bigger threat than Thanos, but just something else that requires her power that nobody else is really able to do. Because the only reason I I point that out is we talked about in our Guardians episode, we talked about if Thanos is ultimately going to be defeated, and if defeat for Thanos means death, who gets the killing strike on Thanos? And we talked about our different levels of investment in characters. And how satisfying it would or wouldn't be for various characters to be the one to take him out. And for Captain Marvel, they could make me, you know, if I get enough backstory in the film for Carol to have some uh, issue with Thanos, then I can certainly be, it can be satisfying in that way to see her be the one who takes him out. But she doesn't have, at least as far as we know right now, Uh, She's not at the top of the list in terms of the people who have the biggest beef with Thanos in their own personal history. And so that's where I kind of hope it's uh, maybe somebody else. I mean, I think Captain Marvel should be a critical part of the Avengers being able to beat Thanos. But I also feel like maybe if somebody else, we talked about Nebula, we talked about Gamora, that there might be others uh, who I think it would be that much more satisfying if they, if uh, they were the ones to take out Thanos. We only really started talking about the who should take out Thanos thing in uh, in the Guardians episode. But even somebody like Iron Man, where even though Tony didn't know his identity, Thanos was in his head for six years, Tony's been haunted by this thing. Certainly Cap being right there at the Battle of Wakanda when Thanos snapped his fingers and took everybody out. Obviously Thor has uh, plenty of beef with Thanos, plenty of reason to be the one 
to deliver the killing strike. And so that's where I think with Captain Marvel, I think she will have a very important role in this, but it won't surprise me if she's not ultimately the one, even though she is the most powerful, uh, just from a, a narrative perspective of other characters having uh, a much stronger emotional connection to Thanos and, and much more compelling reasons to, or much more personal reasons to want to take him out. I could see her maybe not being the one. Of course, uh, you could argue, though, that that Carol takes protecting everybody personally. And so the fact that Thanos did this is enough of a personal beef. And so I'm not saying it would be wrong if Captain Marvel is the one who takes Thanos out, but I kind of feel like maybe she won't be, that she will be she will do something really important in this film, but it won't necessarily be the one who uh, who kills Thanos. Yeah, it's you made a really good point that I don't know if she knows who Thanos is, but I would not be surprised if she ended up running into the, the black order at some point, the children of Thanos and, and knows who they are and know, and I think, but I think she'll 100% know who Thanos is. So that's, that's where I'll go. And I, I, yeah, I don't think she has any connection to Thanos other, other than that. Yeah. So, and, and then if we, if we're talking about the future though, this is not the end game for Captain Marvel. <laughs> even though, is, even is though this correct. is the, in the end game series, we are just getting started with Captain Marvel. And so obviously whatever happens with her in Avengers Endgame, her future is incredibly bright in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As we're recording this episode, we've we're recording a lot of these in advance. So we're recording these right as Captain Marvel has come in at nine hundred and ninety million dollars worldwide. It hasn't hit a billion dollars. It probably will hit a billion dollars by the time this episode is published. If not, it will hit a billion dollars soon after. So Carol Danvers is off to a terrific start, and then all that momentum just carries right into Avengers Endgame. And we've expected for a long time that that Carol and then T'Challa for, from Black Panther, that these are the two characters that, I mean, I feel like they are going to be the Tony and Steve of the next era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I mean, I know with the first era we talk about a big three with Thor, but big, truthfully, the big three has been more of a recent thing, thanks to Ragnarok and Thor in, uh, in, in Thor's character arc, Thor's big story in Avengers Infinity War. Uh, with Because in the first two Avengers films, it really was more of Tony and Steve. And that's been most of it uh, throughout the MCU in these first couple of phases. Uh, and so with Tony and Steve either dying or perhaps retiring over the course or by the end of Avengers Endgame, it certainly sets it up for Carol to be the new captain of this universe, of this uh, of the Avengers. And uh, so I, I think she will, this is a character who we know is going to be, uh, and perhaps alongside T'Challa, but this is certainly going to be one of the characters leading the way in the MCU going forward. Of that, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, exactly. 100% agree. So let's move on to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's go ahead and let's start with, uh, well, we'll start with the Wasp because I don't really have as much for her as I have for uh, for Ant-Man, partially because she is currently dust. So it, she's in that same, well, she's in that same position that a lot of these characters who've been dusted arts. I, I don't know what to say about what they will do in Avengers Endgame because I don't know when they come back. Do they come? And I'm glad I don't know, by the way. I don't really want to know these kinds of secrets, but... I don't know if they come back before or after the final battle with Thanos, because if they come back after, well, then there's not really much for them to do other than say, thanks for bringing us back, guys. Uh, that's kind of it. Uh, and then, of course, mourn anybody who died in the process. But 
uh, as far as, uh, but if, of course, if they come back before the final battle, then they get to, uh, then they get to play a part. But I think, so for, for what she's going to do in Endgame, it's really hard to say. As far as her arc so far, it hasn't really been that much of an arc. I mean, it was, the arc for Hope Van Dyne has been more of just being able to get off the sidelines, because she was the one who wanted to be in the game in Ant-Man, and Hank Pym didn't want to do that because he didn't want to put, very understandably, he didn't want to put his daughter at risk. He'd rather put some stranger like Scott Lang at risk than his own daughter. Makes sense for a father to feel that way. Um, but the ultimate result was that Hope was the most qualified hero in Ant-Man and didn't get to uh, didn't get to do the job, but she finally got to show that in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I think there's still, and, and I think people really liked her in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I know not everybody loves that film, but a lot of people seem to really enjoy Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp. That certainly seemed to be one of the favorite parts, uh, one of the favorite aspects of it, which makes sense for a movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp, or at least you would hope that would happen. But uh, I think this is a re- still a really fun character, and I very much enjoyed seeing her actually show what she could do in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I do hope there's a future for her in the MCU, and I think there will be. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp still made money. It didn't break the bank like we've seen in a lot of these other recent Marvel movies, but it still did very well, well over $600 million worldwide. Uh, it did, uh, it, and of course, the Ant-Man series isn't as expensive as the other Marvel movies, so it continues to be a very profitable franchise. So I don't know if that means that we definitely get a third film in the Ant-Man or Ant-Man and the Wasp series. I think we could, but even if we don't, I think we'll see plenty of the Wasp either as a full-time Avenger or maybe we see her if we ever get that all-female team-up movie. Uh, I certainly think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for the Wasp to continue making an impact and make a bigger impact than we've seen her make in the future. Yeah, it, it's really hard for me to predict or kind of see or want to see with, with uh, Hope with as the Wasp because I wanted to see her as the Wasp in this movie and I just I've only seen the movie once and I I bought it on 4K I've been mean to rewatch it but I just have not had the desire to put it in and watch it I I love I liked her a lot more in the first film and I wish she would have turned into the Wasp in that one but we didn't get it but I guess for me just kind of going forward I'd love to kind of see her and Scott in the Avengers kind of going forward as far as as that goes and cuz in Endgame I just don't see her coming back until she's redusted and reformed and like oh I'm back blah 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 so that's where I'm kind of at right now is this you know I kind of see her mostly and just like her and Scott both I'm not sure they're going to get a third Ant-Man movie and but again, she'd be a cool like addition as a side character for the Avengers and because and the Wasp was always a major Avenger character. So I would love to see her based on that kind of go in and have that have that kind of dynamic with with Scott and whatnot. But if there was a third Ant-Man film, uh, I would love to incorporate, again, more of the 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 other Ant-Man characters. I would love for Pim, uh, Henry Pym to get his uh <laughs> or Hank Pym, excuse me. Um, is head? Wait, it's Hank Pym, right? Yeah, Hank Pym. Hank Pym? Yeah, I, I, well, I believe I'm Hank Henry is short McCoy. for Henry, but yeah, Hank Pym. Yeah. Uh, so Hank Pym, I would love to see him get his red jumpsuit like from the '80s and have him and, and have Michael Douglas kind of run around with them. Uh, that'd be really fun. Uh, so yeah, I, I just kind of would love to kind of you know further maybe get a more lighthearted approach into uh even more she kind of bring her back a little bit more to what she was like in 
the first film. I felt like her characterization was just kind of just seemed off a little bit in in Ant Man and the Wasp. Now, granted, maybe I'll watch it again and like it a lot more. I don't know, but yeah, I would like to see her kind of just as far as if we had to see her again, I'd like to see her more in the Avengers as a side character, not really given a whole lot. Cause I just didn't think she was that interesting in, in that man and the wasp. But again, there she was seeking out her mother and that was her kind of her, her story uh, in Ant-Man and the wasp. So I don't, I don't have much to add with, with hope, but, uh, but I, I would like to see her again as the wasp and show up in the Avengers films going forward for sure. Yeah. I definitely want to see more of uh, more of this character. I, I was actually kind of bummed when I saw her get dusted. Not not in the way that I was bummed to see. I mean, I was bummed when everybody got dusted. But I was particularly bummed to see the Wasp because she got to show up and, and be a superhero in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it would have been cool to see her in, uh, in Avengers Endgame. But I also understand they were really trying to pare it down and have the core original six Avengers as well as just a uh, you know just a few others to really just uh, allow more time to for us to spend with these characters and see how, uh, those who survive to spend with them and see how they uh, how they respond how they're dealing with this uh, this horrible defeat because those who were dusted right now they don't have to worry about the defeat they don't have any problems but they but uh, those who uh, those who survive certainly have to uh, they have to endure this and we have to see how they respond so I understand paring it down to as few characters as as they possibly could for uh for Avengers Endgame but it does kind of stink that Wasp won't get to uh play a part unless of course as I said maybe everybody comes back before the final battle and we get to see everybody uh strut their superhero stuff and that could certainly uh, apply to uh, the Wasp so I do kind of I actually really do hope that uh, no pun intended that everybody comes back uh before the final victory over Thanos uh and they get to be par- they actually get to be part of the final victory of defeating Thanos. That's what I really hope, but I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be angry if that's not exactly how it, uh, how it works out in the, in the story. But let's talk about Ant-Man. Now with Scott Lang and his arc, it's been very, I th- that's part of the reason I really enjoy Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's not one of my top Marvel films, as we said during our spoiler review, but I do still enjoy it. And I enjoy the the difference with Scott as he's trying to resist the idea of breaking the law and and you know trying to stay on the right side of things as he's trying to complete his house arrest but of course he's drawn into the story and he has and he really and of course he ultimately decides to help but even though he cares about hope and he cares about Hank he also is reluctant because he's seeing his responsibility as a father to uh you know to not take part in this stuff because it's illegal for him at the present time to be a superhero. And if he's caught, then that means he's not going to see his daughter again until she's an adult. You know, he's going to miss the rest of her entire childhood at the very least. uh, If he ever even gets to see her again, if he becomes Ant-Man and it was interesting to see that side of Scott in Ant-Man and the Wasp, because the version that we saw in Ant-Man as well as in Captain America, Civil War, it's like, well, I'm, I, you know, he, of course, at the very beginning of Ant-Man doesn't want to break the law again, but he very quickly decides, oh, okay, fine, let's, let's rob this guy, this old man's house. Uh, and then, of course, as he, what everything we, that he's doing with Ant-Man, uh, it, he's right to do it. He understands why it's absolutely necessary, but it still puts him on the wrong side of, uh, still puts him on the wrong side of the law. And then, of course, he ends up getting himself arrested 
for teaming up with Captain America. Like, who would have ever thought for Scott Lang that teaming up with Captain America is going to be something that would get him arrested? But that happens in Civil War. And even though Cap tells him, and we're on the wrong, we're we're on the wrong side of the law on this, and Scott just said, well, "What else is new?" But what's going to be interesting about Avengers Endgame is I think that for the first time, because at the moment in the MCU, I can't imagine anybody cares about the Sokovia Accords. I, I got to think the world is so devastated by what happened that uh, I, I don't know that you know that they're trying to go out and arrest any Avengers or whatever. So I feel like this time it's it's not so much about the legality of things for Scott. It's finally just about being a superhero. And he wasn't really taken that seriously in Captain America Civil War. I think with Avengers Endgame, this is the first opportunity for Scott Lang to be taken much more seriously by the Avengers. I mean, he was there to help out. And obviously him turning into Giant Man was a big turning point in the battle at the airport in Civil War. But even after that, when Scott Lang... Uh, makes his comment to Tony Stark when they're on the raft, and Tony Stark just says, "You know, who are you?" And that's it. Like it's Scott was there; he got to be a big part of the battle, no pun intended. But it didn't uh, ultimately; it didn't register as him. It didn't certainly didn't make him an Avenger because the Avengers were breaking up in Civil War. But then to see him now, where he's going to be an essential element to this plot, he has to be. I mean, we've got all this talk of quantum realm and quantum suits and all of this stuff. That's Ant-Man's world. That's also where Ant-Man and the Wasp becomes a much more important film in the MCU canon than I think anybody would have thought because of the, you know, how it deals with the quantum realm. We got the quantum realm. We were introduced to it in Ant-Man, but we really explored it uh, in a much more significant way in Ant-Man and the Wasp and setting up the idea of time vortexes and all of these different things that we feel like could play a factor in Avengers Endgame. That's going to be Scott's world. And so for him to kind of be leading the way of a major initiative in Avengers Endgame, that puts Ant-Man much more in the driver's seat than he's ever been in the MCU and in a much, uh, in a, in a much bigger way than, uh, than we've ever seen. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Scott responds to that because he's still going to be Scott. It's still Paul Rudd. He's still going to be funny. He's still going to crack jokes. But what does he do when he's got to be the guy who leads the way of this team of, I mean, frankly, they're legends at this point. Captain America, Tony Stark. Uh, how is Scott going to handle perhaps having to lead the way, and maybe not for the entire mission, but he's going to be a key leader in, in the idea of the Avengers perhaps uh, entering the quantum realm and using that uh, in their plans to ultimately defeat Thanos? Yeah, Ant-Man becomes... It's really fascinating how they they saved Ant Man for Endgame, and I, I I have no idea how the quantum realm is going to come into play, and I, and I I have some ideas, but I really have no clue, and I I, I really like that. Be I have no idea where where the whole quantum realm comes in, and everyone's ideas are are probably somewhere somewhere accurate, you know, but. With Ant Man, what's really cool is that we've seen him kind of come along this this trajectory of reluctantly being a hero again it was essentially a heist film they turned into a hero at the very end by defeating the yellow jacket you've got him kind of embracing that you know joining the hero side because of his run-in with falcon and in civil civil war and again it was a great and how how much he loved being a part of these characters and then if uh, ant-man and the wasp he kind of he kind of turns into that hero a little bit more and now he becomes you know, because he is of his experience with the quantum realm and whatnot, his he will be now saving the entire universe. And I think what's really cool about that is that 
look at Scott's look where he started of all the heroes. He's the one that kind of started off kind of like the roughest as far as like where, you know, where he first came out of, he first mm-hmm. came out of jail. Yeah. You know, whereas like, you know, yeah, Tony Stark was a jerk, but he, like, and he, and he did, you know, he was making weapons for the government and things like that, but he wasn't like a criminal. It wasn't like he was doing anything illegal necessarily. Obviously cap and Thor and all them. They, like, Scott was actually a criminal, like doing those things and broke into someone's house and, and, and his movies still, still doing something wrong. And so there's a lot to, I love the idea of Scott going on this kind of a hero's journey in, in a sense to where he kind of starts off in this kind of rough, rough place and he kind of is going to be the one probably helping save the universe. And I, I just love that idea. Like we've already got these great stories with Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, and they've already, already done all these great things and Hulk and whatnot. Ant-Man is going to be a petty criminal, you know, and then all of a sudden turn in, he's going to be one helping save the universe. And I love that aspect of the character. I love that idea that Scott is going to be an integral part to saving all this. And I just love that. I just love that that's going to be his story. I'm with you on that. I'm just thrilled that Scott Lang is going to get to play such a vital role in this because he has been more, he's been more to the comedy act and now he's still going to be a comedy act in Avengers Endgame. I don't think we're going to be sitting there looking at uh, Scott Lang and, and just never, ever laughing. Although it is going to be curious to see just how much he's lost in the snap. Obviously he's lost Hank and hope and janet but has he lost cassie in this uh in in the snap we don't really know a definitive answer to that just yet and we'll have to get a definitive answer in avengers endgame but we see him it appears to be still in san francisco when he's looking at posters of and just uh flyers of people who are missing after the snap and so he's going to come out of the quantum realm he's stuck there at the end of ant-man and the wasp but he's going to come out of there and he's going to see everything that's uh, he's going to see everything that's happened. And what's going to be really interesting, though, is when does he come out? Because not so much when in the sequence of the film, but how long after the snap does he come out? And when he emerges from the quantum realm, when we see him in post snap San Francisco, is that the first time he came out? Because the last words that Janet tells him is, watch out for time vortexes. If you get lost in there, we'll never be able to get you out. So did he get shot out at different points in time before he learned how to move through time vortexes in the quantum realm? You know, Are we going to get anything there? Because for Scott to come in and be able to say, if, if there's any sort of time travel shenanigans through the quantum realm, as has been the most popular theory or among the most popular theories with this he has to have learned how to navigate it so is he just going to immediately be an expert or has he been you know put into a time vortex and been spit out and been able to go back and forth how does he does he know how to navigate all of that before he goes and approaches the avengers with this knowledge um even if that meant that uh, he originally got, went to a time vortex that sent him maybe into the distant past and then figured out, oh, here's how I can actually get back or, or I don't know. There's a lot of crazy weird stuff with the quantum realm. And it's just this big unknown throughout Avengers Endgame is we know it's there because we see the Avengers wearing suits that look like the suit 
that Hank Pym wore to go into the quantum realm in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we know it's a factor, but how is it a factor? How does all of that work? And, uh, you know, we, we don't really know. All we know is that Scott is going to be, at least initially, he will be the resident expert for the Avengers in, uh, in navigating this. But it will be interesting to see just how much how many losses Scott will have suffered when he gets out of the, the time vortex before, or gets out of the quantum realm before he makes, it looks like he makes a cross country drive in the van with the quantum tunnel to get from San Francisco over to Avengers compound in, uh, in upstate New York. But uh, yeah, it's, but I don't know how all these pieces are going to fit. I'm glad I don't know how they fit. I just know that Scott Lang is obviously a vital part of this. And I, I love that. And it also makes up for the fact that, he wasn't really. Uh, he didn't get to play a role in Avengers: Infinity War, uh, and I kind of like that they saved a character. I, th- I think it. Uh, well, they saved other characters too, but I like this idea of saving Ant Man because uh, they had a good explanation for what he was up to in the interim. Uh, but also at the same time, I just like that uh, that by saving Ant Man, it also helps distinguish these two films from one another. It, I know it's still in many ways, a two-part story or chapter 22 of a 22-part story over 11 years, but this film still has to feel like its own standalone adventure, its own standalone chapter at the very least. And I think having Scott, who was absent in Infinity War, come in with a very critical role to play in Avengers Endgame certainly uh, certainly helps with that. So the question I have as we start thinking about the future, as we start thinking about in the end game, we talked about Wasp, we talked about Captain Marvel, but for Scott's future, if there were going to be a surprising death, like, and I mean surprising in the way of here's somebody who hasn't finished his own trilogy of films yet, here's somebody who we don't, you know, like, there's with Scott Lang, he's not really one of the people that people that uh, is listed amongst the most likely candidates to die in Avengers Endgame. And this is somebody who I actually think could be a surprising death. I'm not predicting that Scott Lang is going to die in this one because I do think Ant-Man's a very popular character and people would want to see more Ant-Man movies. But if there's a, a dark horse candidate to be taken out in this movie, it actually wouldn't shock me if it was Ant-Man. But I do, I do ultimately expect him to survive. And I think this is a character who could probably get one more movie in his own franchise or the franchise that he now shares with uh, with the Wasp. I could certainly see them getting another movie. But uh, whether whether or not that happens, a movie like this, and with Scott playing such an important role in the story, this could certainly take Scott Lang from being an on-the-fringe Avenger into being a full-time member, uh, you know, a full-time part of the roster uh, for the next phase of the MCU. Yeah, that's a great point, Sean. I didn't think about the idea that Scott could die, and there's no other film that's scheduled as of right now. And again, they're purposely doing that to set up Infinity War so they can, you know, try to keep things a surprise or whatever. But what's interesting is that that very well could be a surprise death, which really would would suck, but it could happen. And then you could maybe have a wasp film where it's it's by herself or maybe there's Mm -hmm. a new ant-man or something like that so there's there's definitely possibilities there i think with that but but yeah i i I, that would be a shock i would i would totally have taken me by surprise if that was the case so yeah i i I, i'm not saying it's gonna happen either like you said but it wouldn't 
it would be a real upset if he did. And, and you could also see it happening because he is uh, he is someone that is a kind of we don't really know what's going to happen with, with him afterwards. And, and talking about the balance and everything with these characters, what's fascinating, I think, too, with, with Ant-Man is that or with, with the last film, Infinity War, is that they did, they did such a great job of balancing people. And mm-hmm. so with Ant-Man, they did, there was they had a great plan of how to use these characters and what roles they're going to play. And I think that they could they could have did uh, a little scene with Ant-Man in, in like at home or something like that you know, or, or whatever, but they didn't have to. And because of that and because they had the Ant-Man and the Wasp film, we had that we're going to have this end game. His end game entrance is going to be even more of that you know, more dramatic. And again, that's by design with the characters. I think that's really, really cool that we're getting that. So, yeah, I, I really like what we're, what we're getting here. And I like the idea that he was saved. And I think, again, it goes kind of goes back to Marcus McFeely and, and, and Kevin Feige and everyone doing a great job of knowing if and when to use people and in saving Scott Lang for his own film and Endgame, so yeah, it's really really cool, and I'm I'm really glad what we've got what uh what we got. Yeah, same here. And then just to add a, a little more details into why I think Scott, why I don't think Scott, or at least I don't assume Scott is completely safe, just because you know we have this mentality of well, it's you get three movies. If you have a solo franchise, you get three movies, and then you're done, and and you get some team ups, but. Maybe that we don't have to have the trilogy formula for every individual franchise, for every standalone franchise separate from the Avengers. Maybe some characters could have two films and some team-ups and then perhaps exit the story via death or retirement or whatever. And and I also think about with Scott, in terms of somebody who might have to sacrifice themselves, somebody who might have to stay behind. And I'm not saying Scott would be the guy, definitely, because somebody else might be the one who makes the sacrifice play. If we look at the quantum realm and we say that this opens the door to time travel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if we just take that theory at face value and just say that in some way, shape, or form, we will see that in Avengers Endgame. If you open that door in Avengers Endgame, you also have to close it. You don't necessarily have to lock it, but you do have to close it because it just begs the question in the future. If anytime anything goes wrong, anytime the Avengers don't save every life, why don't they use the quantum realm to go back and fix it? If they went back and fixed the if they went back and fixed the snap somehow via time travel in the quantum realm, if that's what's happening in this movie, then why wouldn't they do that to fix other losses in the future? Or even if it wasn't a total loss where there were still significant casualties, why wouldn't they go back and change it? Now, you could certainly say that this is the most catastrophic loss imaginable, half of all life in the universe, so this is why it, you know, it's a different standard for traveling through time to fix that. But this is also the group that says we don't trade lives. You know, we don't sacrifice the few for the many. That's not what we do. So it would mean as much to them if five people died in some tragedy as opposed to half of all life in the universe. Or maybe that mindset will change a little bit once they actually see that, hey, if we don't sacrifice the few, this is what happens when we actually suffer that catastrophic loss that we're trying to avoid by making some sort of sacrifice. So I think it's going to be, I think with the quantum realm, I don't know if it's going to be a physical thing 
where they are going to shut the door to the quantum realm so people don't have access to it and somebody has to stay behind to make sure that's a thing that people can't do in the future. And maybe that's Scott, um, which also would allow him to come back at some point. You know, if somebody's trapped in the quantum realm, they could be dead for a while and then come back. Um, but the other thing there, but the other part of it, though, is it may not necessarily be about uh, the physical ability to go back and, and go through the quantum realm and travel through time to undo wrongs from the past. Uh, it may be a thing where they realize that uh, going through the quantum realm actually creates a mess. I think we've previously talked about the idea that the Avengers could maybe beat Thanos early and then realize that the way that they did it by traveling through the quantum realm actually really screwed up reality, and then they have to kind of fix that mess and then maybe potentially beat Thanos again. So maybe it'll be a thing that the quantum realm just screws things up so badly that they'll realize, hey, we can't do this again no matter how badly we want to. And if that's the case, then maybe there's an opportunity uh, for Scott to survive. But his safety, I think it's he's probably going to be okay at the end of Avengers Endgame, but I don't think his safety is uh, I certainly don't think it's guaranteed, uh, but I I love that uh, whatever happens in this movie, uh, whether Scott gets to live on for another adventure or this is his last run in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that uh, he will have this one great story as a member of the Avengers and somebody who is actually a leader of the Avengers uh, just by the nature of being the, the resident expert on the quantum realm. But that's where we are going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you check out our Patreon for additional exclusive content from our podcast, including daily news shows, Q&A shows, tons more, book club shows talking about comics. That's all available at patreon.com slash News. Make sure you find us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at marvelstudiosnews, and on Twitter at marvelnewscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. Pete and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 